In this podcast, we'll be discussing the most significant workplace relations issues of the month. This will be of interest to HR professionals and others trying to keep up to date with the many policy changes and debates in the latest commission and court decisions and issues in Parliament impacting on the workplace. The full members-only report is available on our website at aigroup.com.au in the policy section under Workplace Relations Policy and Advocacy. And to discuss the key aspects of that report, I'm speaking with Stephen Smith, Head of National Workplace Relations at AI Group. I'm Tony Melville, AI Group's Head of Communications. So we'll look today at four issues from this big issues brief, but we'll pick out the four top ones of this month. And the first one we'll look at is the Fair Work Amendment casual loading offset regulations. So there's two aspects to this. The first one is that these regulations uh, from the Fair Work uh, Act came in to protect employers against double dipping claims made by casual workers. So can you explain what's happened there, Stephen? Yeah, this uh, regulation really uh, was made in light of the uh, very problematic decision last year of the federal court in the Workpack versus Skeen case. The court held in that case that just because you're engaged as a casual and you're paid uh, a higher rate as a casual, you're not necessarily a casual for the purposes of the annual leave entitlements in the Fair Work Act. It's caused huge concern amongst employers uh, and there is significant risk that uh, casual employees might go back and say, well, notwithstanding the fact that I've, I've been paid a casual loading for years, I want annual leave uh, for uh, years uh, in the past. So the government's made a regulation that would allow any employer that's faced with a claim to uh, have the special compensation that they've paid to the casual, usually as a casual loading, offset against any uh, entitlements that the employee might wish to pursue in court. So should this uh, mean a change of record keeping or, or an approach by employers uh, with this new regulation and the, the whole definition of a casual, is, is that something they should even be more aware of? Well, employers who engage casuals should make sure that when they engage them, they give them a written document that makes it clear that they are a casual and they get the employee to sign that um, they should make sure that it's clear in the employment records that the person is a casual. Uh, usually there's a casual loading paid, of course, so that should be identified separately. It should be identified on pay slips that the person's a casual, what the casual loading is. Uh, so, you know, that documentation will be quite important. Okay. And what's the, the, the clearest, easiest test of what makes a casual? Well, the, the commission's common test, the Fair Work Commission in awards, is uh, an employee who is engaged and paid as a casual. But unfortunately, uh, that has been thrown up in the air by this uh, Workpack versus Skeen decision. Uh, one good thing that is uh, happening with that beyond the regulation that we've spoken about is there's another full federal court uh, test case going on in a case called Workpack versus Rosato. Uh, the federal government's intervened in that case and hopefully we'll get uh, a more workable outcome out of that matter. That's right. So if you have someone who's working and they've got 12 months worth of shifts all planned a year ahead, then you, you may well not be a casual. That person may well not be a casual. Yes. In the case of Skeen, the employee in the, uh, in the case last year, 
he was a truck driver who was placed on a mine site and he had his roster 12 months in advance. Uh, when people are engaged as a casual, it should be quite clear that there's no expectation of ongoing employment. Their work is uh, subject to the, the needs of the, the business. So, you know, the, the employers should be looking at these issues uh, when they engage casuals and making clear the, uh, the expectations are, are not such that uh, you know, there will be ongoing work for months or years in advance. Okay. Then there's another element to this. Just in, in Parliament, in one of the few sitting days of Parliament for 2019, the government's introduced the Fair Work Amendment Right to Request Casual Conversion Bill 2019. What's the significance of that, Stephen? Well, on the 13th of February, the government introduced this bill. It's designed to give those employees who don't currently have the right to request conversion to full-time or part-time employment that right. So if an employee's got the right under a relevant award, then the bill won't apply. But if they're an award-free employee or they're under an enterprise agreement that doesn't have casual conversion rights, then the the bill, if passed, will give those rights to the uh, the employee. Uh, importantly, there is a, a a right of reasonable refusal of a conversion request. So, if the employer genuinely can't accommodate that request, then that right is recognised, and the employee will have to have worked twelve months on a regular basis before uh, having these rights. So do we know the likelihood of this uh, getting up in this parliament? Has Labor said they'll wave it through or would they have issues with it? Um, it appears very unlikely that this legislation is going to pass before the federal election, which is uh, planned for May. Um, there are very few sitting days left and the early signs are that uh, this uh, bill will be opposed in some respects by uh, other political parties. And of course... Regardless of who wins the election, then it's all new. It all has to be new. They're not going to be. They can't be looking up old bills. They have to resubmit them and start the whole process again. Yes. So yeah. it, uh, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this bill. But I, I, I don't think uh, most people would see that there is a high likelihood yeah. of it going through. Okay. And talking politics now, um, if you believe the opinion polls, then there's a better than even chance that the Australian Labor Party will win the next federal election. If it does, the policies that they are supporting and they've said they'll support through their annual Labor National Conference that was held in December. Uh, those policies will have great significance for employers because they may well become law. So um, there's a whole range of those in this brief, but we'll just just go through a number of them first. So if we just say the first one, and one of the most significant of the many policies Labor is supporting is labour hire, which of course we have labour hire um, laws in various stages in Queensland, South Australia and Victoria. What's the idea about a national labour hire licensing scheme? Um, yeah, Labor uh, intends to introduce a national labour hire licensing scheme. Uh, one of the big problems with this concept is what is labour hire? When you look at the state schemes, they have an incredibly broad definition of labour hire that goes far beyond what most people would regard as labour hire and brings in a lot of arrangements where one business might supply 
labour to another business along with uh, services, you know, IT companies, uh, you know, contracting companies of various types. So um, the whole definition of labour hire is fraud and the, the state schemes have been very problematic. So if there is a national scheme, hopefully uh, some of the problems could be ironed out. Yeah, and draconian regulations, there's a lot of work that a company has to put in if suddenly they become a labour hire company, even if they don't intend to. Yeah, the level of um, regulatory burden is quite extreme in those state uh, laws. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done if there was to be a national scheme to implement a, a workable scheme with workable definitions and uh, workable uh, uh, regulatory burdens. Another of the labour politi- uh, policies is around employee entitlements, and there's quite a few of those including penalty rates, domestic violence, minimum wage, long service leave, but maybe just to mention a couple, penalty rates. Labor will reverse the cuts to Sunday and public holiday penalty rates and will amend the Fair Work Act so awards cannot be varied to cut workers' take-home pay. So what's behind that one and where will that, what's, what's the situation there? Yeah, this is aimed at the Fair Work Commission's major penalty rate decision of 2017 where the Commission decided to make a fairly modest reduction in Sunday penalty rates in the retail, fast food and hospitality industries. Uh, the, the reduced rates were phased in over a number of years, but the Labor proposes to abolish uh, that decision um, through legislation as one of its first acts and proposes, in fact, to go much further than that by amending the Fair Work Act to stop the Commission ever uh, making an award amendment that reduced take-home pay of any employee, which is a very one-sided proposition because, um, of course, we've got an independent umpire that weighs up all the arguments and decides what is the fair and appropriate outcome. If this uh, legislation goes through, the umpire would only be able to make a decision in favour of one of the parties, which is, is obviously unfair. So big significance there. Uh, Domestic violence leave is another one that Labor conferences supported. What's the story there? Um, Labor's proposal is to introduce 10 days of paid domestic violence leave, which adopts the ACTU's claim in the Commission's major uh, domestic violence leave case. The outcome of that case was not 10 days of paid leave, but five days of unpaid leave. Uh, that unpaid leave entitlement has gone into every award and is also now in the Fair Work Act as a part of the National Employment Standards. So this would go much further than what the Commission decided was appropriate after a a case that continued for a couple of years. Uh, Another one that gets big publicity through the ACTU in particular is about underpaying workers, or as the ACTU says, um, wage theft. So what would uh, Labor do in that area? Um, in the area of uh, wage We don't theft. want to make up that, that term <laughs> because it is a very emotive term. It, it is, and, and it's intended, uh, no doubt, to be quite emotive. The, the state Labor uh, governments and, and oppositions have been looking at amendments to state crimes legislation to... Uh, make it a criminal offence to underpay workers, and uh, they they use this emotional term of wage theft. Uh, we have 
had a, a very big increase in penalties for underpayments over the last couple of years. In uh, uh, 2017, there was the, um, the legislation that went through that uh, increased penalties for employers that underpay workers by up to 20 times. So the, the current government has already moved on that issue in a, a major way, but uh, Labor, federal and state, want to go much further. Okay. And just the last one on the Labor policies, there's, there's many more you can see online in this report. Multi-employer collective bargaining, industry-wide bargaining. What's the situation there? Well, this has been a, a huge debate. The ACTU, through what it called its uh, Change the Rules campaign, put a lot of pressure on Labor to support industry bargaining. Um, and they want um, not only industry bargaining, they want uh, the right to take lawful industrial action across entire industries. Uh, the Australian Industry Group uh, worked very hard to uh, influence the public debate on that issue and convince Labor that that would be a, a disaster for business and the community. The, the policy that finally was adopted in uh, December by Labor talks about uh, multi-employer collective bargaining, uh, particularly uh, in areas of low-paid employment, you know, childcare and uh, and those uh, sort of areas. So, uh, yeah, the threat is still there of uh, if Labor wins, um, you know, there being some problematic uh, proposal around industry bargaining, but at, at least the policy is, uh, you know, a long way short of what the ACTU has been pushing for. Okay. And I should say in here where... We're always non-partisan during election periods and, and beyond, of course. And But if you have any issues that you want to raise that we could potentially include in our election policy priority statement that we'll be giving to all sides of politics, things that you see as issues that you would like to see addressed by the next government in Canberra, then please send us a message at AI, info at aigroup.com.au. Anything you might have to add to our priorities list for the coming election, info at aigroup.com.au in address Stephen Smith there. So two more issues before we close off this podcast. Mondelez, which is a name that a lot of people following these issues would have heard, and the AWU case, the meaning of a day. Where are we up to with that? Yeah, this is a, a very important full federal court case, which is listed for a final hearing before the court on the 21st of February, but it goes to the meaning of the phrase 10 days of paid personal carer's leave in Section 96 of the Fair Work Act. Now, the, um, the Mondelez workers who are at the centre of this case work at that big Cadbury chocolate factory in Tasmania and they work on 12-hour shifts. They're under an enterprise agreement which gives them 96 hours of personal carer's leave, and uh, that was uh, a generous concession that the company made in, uh, in its agreement uh, because most people would uh, uh, have implemented arrangements where 10 days of personal carer's leave would mean 76 hours, you know, two times uh, a 38-hour week. 
what this case is looking at is, well, with 12-hour shift workers, are they entitled to 10 12-hour days, which would be 120 hours of sick leave, not 76 hours like uh, the industry uh, widely interprets that provision. So it's a very important case. The outcome will be important, not just for companies that have 12-hour shifts, but any company that has uh, a work day beyond 7.6 hours, even if uh, there's a say an RDO every 20th day and the work day is eight hours, uh, if a day was to mean eight hours, that would be 80 hours of personal carers leave a year, not 76 hours with potential uh, back pay risks going back many years. So uh, Huge uh, financial implications for some businesses, no doubt. Yes, uh, very important uh, uh, implications. The Australian government has intervened in the case in support of uh, Mondelez's arguments and uh, AI Group Workplace Lawyers is representing Mondelez in the case and uh, we've briefed uh, Stuart Wood QC who uh, will present the arguments on the 21st of February. Okay, we'll keep an eye on that one. Just the final one before we close off the podcast. There's also amendments to the Fair Work Act around enterprise bargaining and four yearly reviews, which has kept a lot of uh, your taking a lot of your time in the last few years. Yes, we're just on the four yearly reviews. This will mean that there doesn't need to be another four yearly review. the The last one has been going for over five years with no end in sight and uh, it won't stop awards being varied but it'll stop this massive open invitation to unions every four years to dream up a, a wide range of, of claims that uh, it takes years to, to head off. But most people would be more interested in the part of this legislation that relates to enterprise agreements. This um, series of amendments to the Act gives the Commission more discretion to approve agreements despite um, minor procedural or technical errors in the agreement-making process. Uh, there's, it's not as good as uh, you know, what we might have liked with a broader discretion, but uh, where, for example, uh, say the notice of employee representational rights, which has to be issued, where, um, say, that uh, was put on company letterhead rather than put on a blank piece of paper, or uh, you know there was a, a minor problem with the timing of giving that uh, document. This will give the commission more uh, discretion to overlook some of the problems that uh, are currently delaying the bargaining process. Okay, good to know. Okay, well that's that's all for now. Um, I've been talking with Stephen Smith, head of National Workplace Relations for AI Group, and I'm Tony Melville. And you can find this uh, full report for members only, which is on our website at aigroup.com.au. And remember, if you have any issues you want to raise as part of our priorities for the coming federal election, send us a note at info at aigroup.com.au. That's all for now. See you next time.